Welcome to the podcast of the Golden Book of Marcus Aurelius. There's a website for this podcast, it's themapodcast.wordpress.com and there's also an accompanying book that you can buy on Amazon if you just search for the Golden Book of Marcus Aurelius and there's also links for it on the website. My name is Barry Vickers and you're very welcome. Um, I suppose this is the first in a series of 12 books that um, Marcus Aurelius wrote under the title The Golden Book of Marcus Aurelius. Um, I started recording this podcast, I started recording the audio of this book for myself because it's quite an old book and the rhythms of it are quite different to the English today, probably because it's been translated and because of the passage of time. But I enjoyed listening to it and I thought I would maybe share it with you and it became a, sort of a labour of love. So you're very welcome. Before I start reading the first book, which is really the first chapter, um, I'd by way of like to, of introduction, I'd like to give you an overview. There's a much more comprehensive of the life and times of Marcus Aurelius in Wikipedia, but by way of an introduction, I'd like to tell you a little bit. Of, first of all, he's not the guy in the film Gladiator, although the Marcus Aurelius from Gladiator could be based on the factual one. The real Marcus was the last of the so-called five good emperors, the others of whom were Nerva, Trajan, Hadrian and Antonius Pius. Marcus lived in the early part uh, of our modern times. He, he was Roman Emperor from AD 161 to 180, and he lived from AD 26 until AD 180. He came from a wealthy family who'd grown rich from their family brickworks during the time of the Emperor Hadrian of wall building fame, hence a connection. And Hadrian was aware of and well, let's say, let's say fond of Marcus as a boy, and he th identified him probably as a future emperor. And he interceded in his educational arrangements, sponsoring him and putting on what could be regarded as an inevitable path to public office. As part of Marcus's education, he was trained by several of the brightest minds of his time, but he was particularly struck by the teachings of the Stoic philosophers and aspects of the philosophy related to duty. When Hadrian died, Aurelius Antoninus was bequeathed to the throne, but only on condition that he adopt Marcus and his brother Lucius Commodus as part of the deal. After the death of his adopted father, although he didn't want it, Marcus was honour-bound to accept the role of emperor. However, he did insist that Lucius share the honour. It was the first time that Rome was ruled by two emperors. I'm not too sure if this is why modern Italians choose to depict him on the 50-cent piece. However, that's who is on the back of the coin, which you can see a picture of it on the website. Anyway, the Stoic philosopher became the philosopher king, and he was popular and considered Rudu, who oversaw the Roman Empire through war, disaster, and reform. But unfortunately, he damaged his own legacy by the choice of a successor, his egotistical son Commodus, who undid some of the greatness of his father and uh, kind of ruined the family name. And not the same Commodus as the film again, but pretty much the same type of character. As for the Golden Book. He's reported to have written it for his own eyes while on campaign rather than as a book to publish. Um, I first come, came across mention of it in my copy of, of Plymouth Plantation by William Bradford. And according to my copy of Bradford, um, the Golden Book was very popular during Bradford's time. And it was also known as the Dial of the Princes and also as uh, more commonly known as um, Meditations of Marcus Aurelius. So... Um, with that in mind, I was fascinated to read more about this book that, that Bradford um, 
had mentioned and I tried googling it and it was quite frustrating I couldn't find a copy for sale anywhere under the title of the golden book so I eventually tracked down a copy and I made my own copy um, which um, I then read but you can actually um, have a look at that it's on it's, it's on for free it's available on Guggenheim books but uh, I've made a copy you can buy for relatively cheaply on Kindle or on Amazon if you like um, and you're, you're welcome to share the fruits of my labor I did some work into it in terms of desktop publishing putting in some images and uh, indexing it and things like that um alternatively of course you can just listen to the podcast so anyway that's enough about that so today let's begin with my chapter one which is called book one um not the most exciting of starts to be honest with you um it's a bit of an oscar speech marcus uh goes through all the traits that he thinks that he has learned and picked up along the passage of time and he uh thanks and credits all the people who have taught him those traits it's interesting to see the virtues that he thinks are virtuous though um so let's begin book one from my grandfather Verus, i learned good morals and the government of my temper from the reputation and remembrance of my father, modesty and a manly character. From my mother, piety and beneficence and abstinence, not only from evil deeds, but from evil thoughts and further simplicity in my way of living, far removed from the habits of the rich. And from my great grandfather, not to have frequented public schools and to have had good teachings at home and to know that on such things a man should spend liberally. From my governor to be neither of the green or the blue party at the games in the circus, nor a partisan either of the Parmelarius or the Scatarius at the gladiator's fights. And from him too I learned endurance of labour, and to want little, and to work with my own hands, and not to meddle with other people's affairs, and not to be ready to listen to slander. From Diognetus, not to busy myself about trifling things, and not to give credit to what was said by miracle workers and jugglers about incantations and the driving away of demons and such things. And not to breed quails for fighting, nor to give myself up passionately to such things, and to endure freedom of speech, and to have become intimate with philosophy, and to have been a hearer first of Bacchius, then Tandasius, and then Marcianus, and to have written dialogues in my youth, and to have desired a plank bed and a skin, and whatever else of the kind belongs to the Grecian discipline. From Rusticus, I received the impression that my character required improvement and discipline, and from him I learned not to be led astray to sophistic emulation, nor to writing on speculative matters, nor to delivering little hortary orations, nor or to showing myself off as a man who practices much discipline, or does benevolent acts in order to make a display, and to abstain from rhetoric and poetry and fine writing and not to walk about the house in my outdoor dress nor to do other things of the kind and to write my letters with simplicity like the letter which rusticus wrote from Senusia to my mother and with respect to those who have offended me by words or done me wrong to be easily disposed to be pacified and reconciled as soon as they have shown readiness to be reconciled and to read carefully and not to be satisfied with a superficial understanding of a book nor hastily to give my assent to those who talk overmuch and i am debted to him for being acquainted with the discourses of epictetus which he communicated to me out of his own collection 
From Apollonius, I learned freedom of will and undeviating steadiness of purpose, and to look to nothing else, not even for a moment, except to reason, and to be always the same, in sharp pains on the occasion of the loss of a child, and in long illness, and to see clearly, in a living example, that the same man can be both most resolute and yielding, and not peevish in giving his instruction. And to have had before my eyes a man who clearly considers his experience and his skill in expounding philosophical principles as the smallest of his merits, and from him I learned how to receive from friends what are esteemed favours without being either humbled by them, letting them pass unnoticed. From Sextus, a benevolent disposition and the example of a family governed in a fatherly manner, and the idea of living comfortably to nature and gravity without affection and to look carefully after the interests of friends and to tolerate ignorant persons and those who form opinions without consideration. He had the power of readily accommodating himself to all, so that intercourse with him was more agreeable than any flattery, and at the same time he was most highly venerated by those who associated with him, and he had the faculty both of discovering and ordering in an intelligent and methodical way the principles necessary for life. And he never showed anger or any other passion, but was entirely free from passion and also most affectionate. And he could express approbation without noisy display. And he possessed much knowledge without ostentation. From Alexander the Grammarian, to refrain from fault finding and not in a reproachful way to chide those who uttered any barbarous or celestic or strange sounding expression, but dexterously to introduce the very expression which ought to have been used, and in the way of answer, or giving confirmation, or joining in an inquiry about the thing itself, not about the word, or by some other fit suggestion. From Fronto, I learned to observe that envy and duplicity and hypocrisy are in a tyrant, and that generally those among us who are called patricians are rather deficient in paternal affection. From Alexander the Platonic, not frequently nor without necessity to say to anyone or to write in a letter that I have no leisure, nor continually to excuse the neglect of duties required by our relation to those with whom we live by alleging urgent occupations. From Catullus, not to be indifferent when a friend finds fault, even if he should find fault without reason, but to try and restore him to his usual disposition, and be ready to speak well of teachers, as it is reported of Domitius and Athenodotus, and to love my children truly. From my brother Severus, to love my kin, to love truth and to love justice, and through him I learned to know Thrasa, Calvidius, Cato, Dion, Brutus, and from him I received the idea of polity in which there is the same law for all, a polity administered with regard to equal rights and equal freedom of speech, and the idea of a kingly government which respects most of all the freedom of the governed. I learned from him also consistency and undeviating steadiness in my regard philosophy and a disposition to be good and to give to others readily and to cherish good hopes and to believe that I am loved by my friends and in him I observed no concealment of his opinions with respect to those with whom he condemned and that his friends had no need to conjecture what he wished nor did not wish 
but it was quite plain. From Maximus, I learned self-government and not to be led aside by anything, and cheerfulness in all circumstances, as well as in illness, and a just admixture in the moral character of sweetness and dignity, and to do what was set before me without complaining. I observed that everybody believed that he had thought as he spoke, and that in all that he did he never had any bad intention, and he never showed amazement and surprise, and was never in a hurry, but never put off doing a thing, nor was perplexed, nor dejected, nor did he ever laugh to disguise his vexation, nor on the other hand was he ever passionate or suspicious. He was accustomed to do acts of beneficence. He was ready to forgive and was free from all falsehood. And he presented the appearance of a man who could not be diverted from right, rather than of a man who had been improved. I observed, too, that no man could ever think that he was despised by Maximus, or ever ventured to think himself a better man. He also had the art of being humorous in an agreeable way. In my father I observed mildness of temper, and unchangeable resolution of the things which he had determined after due deliberation, and no vainglory in those things which men call honours, and a love of labour and perseverance, and a readiness to listen to those who had anything to propose for the common weal, and undeviating firmness in giving every man according to his deserts, and a knowledge derived from experiences of the occasions for vigorous action and for remission and i observed that he had overcome all passion for boys and he considered himself no more than any other citizen and he released his friends from all obligation to sup with him or to attend with him necessity when he went abroad and to those who had failed to accompany him by reason of any urgent circumstances he always found with him the same i observed too his habit of careful inquiry in all matters of deliberation and his persistency and that he never stopped his investigation through being satisfied with which appearances which first present themselves. And his disposition was to keep his friends, and not to be soon tired of them, nor yet to be extravagant in his affection, and to be satisfied on all occasions, and cheerful, and to, foresee, and to foresee things a long way off, and to provide for the smallest without display, and to check immediately all popular applause and flattery, and to be ever watchful over the things which were necessary for the administration of the empire, and to be a good manager of expenditure, and patiently to endure the blame which he got for such conduct. And he was neither superstitious with respect to the gods, nor did he court men by gifts by trying to please them, or by flattering the populace, but he showed sobriety in all things, and firmness, and never any mean thoughts or action, nor love of novelty. And the things which conduce in any way to the commodity of life and of the, which fortune gives an abundant supply, he used without arrogance and without excusing himself, so that when he had them, he enjoyed them without affectation, and when he had them not, he did not want them. No one could ever say of him that he was either a sophist or a homebred flippant slave or a pedant, but everyone acknowledged him to be a man, ripe, perfect, above flattery, able to manage his own and other men's affairs. Besides this, he honoured those who were true philosophers, and he did not reproach those who pretended to be philosophers, nor yet was he easily led by them. 
he was also easy in conversation, and he made himself agreeable without any offensive affectation. He took reasonable care of his body's health. Not as one who was greatly attached to life, nor out of regard for personal appearance, nor yet in a careless way, but so that, although his own attention he very seldom stood in need of the physician's art or medicine or external applications. He was most ready to give way without envy to those who possessed any particular faculty such as that of eloquence or knowledge of the law or morals or anything else, and he gave them his help that each might enjoy reputation according to his deserts, and he always acted comfortably to the institutions of his country without showing any affectation of doing so. Further, he was not fond of change, nor unsteady, but he loved to stay in the same places and to employ himself about the same things. And after his paroxysms of headache, he came immediately fresh and vigorous to his usual occupations. His secrets were not but very few and very rare, and these only about public matters, and he showed prudence and economy in the exhibition of the public spectacles and the construction of public buildings. His donations to the people and in such things, for he was a man who looked to what ought to be done, not to the reputation which is got by a man's axe. He did not take the bath at unreasonable hours. He was not fond of building houses, nor curious about what he ate, nor about the texture and colour of his clothes, nor about the beauty of his slaves. His dress came from Lorium, his villa on the coast, and from Lavinium generally. We know how he behaved to the toll collector at Tusculum, who asked his pardon, and such was all his behaviour. There was in him nothing harsh, nor implacable, nor violent, nor, as one might say, anything carried to the sweating point, but he examined all things severally, and if he had abundance of time and without confusion, in an orderly way, vigorously and consistently. And what might be applied to him which is recorded of Socrates was that he was able both to abstain from and to enjoy those things which many are too weak to abstain from and cannot enjoy without excess, but to be strong enough both to bear the one and to be sober in the other is the mark of a man who has a perfect and invincible soul, such as he showed in the illness of Maximus. To the gods I am indebted for having good grandfathers, good parents, a good sister, good teachers, good associates, good kinsmen, friends, nearly everything good. Furthermore, I owe to the gods that I was not hurried into any offence against any of them, though I had a disposition which, if opportunity had afforded, might have led me to do something of this kind, but, through their favour, there never was such a concurrence of circumstances as put me to the trial. Further, I am thankful to the gods that I was not longer brought up with my grandfather's concubine, and that I was preserved the flower of my youth, and that I did not make proof of my virility before the proper season. But even deferred the time that I was subjected to a ruler and a father who was able to take away all pride from me, and to bring me to the knowledge that it is possible for a man to live in a palace without wanting either guards or embroidered dresses or torches and statues and such like show, but that it is in such a man's power to bring himself very near to the fashion of a private person without being for the reason either meaner in thought or more remiss in action with respect to the things which must be done for the public interest in a manner that befits a ruler. I thank the gods for giving me 
such a brother who was able by his moral character to rouse me to the vigilance of myself and who at the same time please me by his respect and affection that my children have not been stupid or deformed in body that i did not make my proficiency in rhetoric poetry and other studies in which i should perhaps have been completely engaged if i had seen that i was making progress in them that i made haste to place those who brought me up in the station of honour which they seemed to desire without putting them off with hope of my doing it some time after because they were then still young that i knew apollonius rusticus maximus that i received clear and frequent impressions about living according to nature so that so far as depend on the gods and their gifts and help and inspirations nothing hindered me from forthwith living according to nature though i still fall short of it through my own fault and through not observing the admonitions of the gods and that i may almost say their direct instructions that my body has held out so long in such a kind of life that i never touched either benedicta or theodosius and that after having fallen into amatory passions i was cured and though i was often out of humour with rusticus i never did anything of which i had occasion to repent that although it was my mother's fate to die young she spent the last years of her life with me that whenever i wished to help any man in his need or any other occasion i was never told that i had not the means of doing it and that to myself the same necessity never applied to receive anything from another that i have such a wife so obedient and so affectionate so simple that i had abundance of good masters for my children and that remedies have been shown to me by my dreams both others and against blood spitting and giddiness that when i had an inclination to philosophy i did not fall into the hands of any sophist and i did not waste my time on writers of histories or in the resolution of syllogisms or occupy myself about the investigation of appearances in the heavens for all these things require the help of the gods and fortune and that's the end of book one of the golden book of marcus Aurelius. i hope you've enjoyed it just a reminder of the website again if you want to visit it's www.themapodcast.wordpress.com so that's the ma as in t-h-e M.A. for Marcus Aurelius Podcast. WordPress. Com. Barry Vickers. I hope you've enjoyed this time. Bye bye.